Hey kids, did you know that the moon landing was actually faked? That's right, in 1969, the United States government paid Stanley Kubrick a shitload of ducats to create fake footage to make it look like we had traveled to space and walked on the surface of the moon when it was really filmed in a Hollywood sound studio. What, you sheeple thought we had actually gone to the moon? Ha! Suckers. And you probably also don't know that in the 70s, a brave Hollywood studio tried to tell the world about the deception by putting the whole thing in a movie, laying the conspiracy bare for the world to see. Oh sure, they couched it as a movie about a faked Mars landing, but we all knew the truth when we saw it. Unfortunately, O.J. Simpson was in it, so it kind of didn't age well. But we're bringing it back hard tonight. We're going to pull the scales from everybody's eyes. The world must know the truth of Capricorn One. Welcome to The Holdup. Each month we pick a movie one of us remembers fondly but hasn't seen in years. We watch it and we decide, does it hold up? I'm John Longino. And I'm John Nelson. And I am perplexed by <laughs> tonight's conspiracy. Apparently we're watching Room 237. Yeah, <laughs> the real Capricorn 237, one. man. Uh, this is, uh, we'll get to it in a moment, but uh, that intro was all new to me. I did not, uh, was not familiar with the movie or what we were in for. So I look forward to delving into discussion uh, in a moment. First, I'd like to happily announce that we have received an email, John. So the conspiracy continues. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't just me under a, a throwaway account. Sending us an email. <laughs> we have a true honest to goodness email. Um, so you two at home can reach us at holduppodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to send us an email or if that's too difficult, you can go to holduppodcast.com. And there you can find <laughs> a link to our email or other things. But anyway, uh, we received an email from Eric. Oh, so, yes. And and we're about to eat some crow or I'm about to eat some crow. Oh, here we go. This uh, subject line, Tron Legacy. Those may remember that uh, Tron Legacy was last month's episode. So, hey, John and John caught the recent Tron Legacy episode and just had a few thoughts because I've seen the original Tron about a dozen times over the years. My, my. R.E. John mentioning back when Disney made shitty live-action movies like The Black Hole, the OG Tron was part of their creation wave at Disney, where they celebrated the artist versus the shareholder. They tried... <laughs> <laughs> well put. They tried a whole swath of different movies and concepts. They found a cool way to create visual effects, and a team tried to put an actual story around it. Okay, plenty weak in a lot of areas, but it was a neat idea to work with the tech. The soundtrack didn't match at all beyond the Tron theme. I've also seen the black hole many times and enjoyed it every single time. Oh, here we go. The creepiness vibe really works well for most of the movie, despite Ernest Borgnine. The end sequence in quote unquote hell with Maximilian was a terrifying concept to experience as a young kid, not that familiar with what hell could be like. <laughs> Are you what's missing from Tron legacy? I don't know the answer, of course, but when Tron Legacy was being put together, the intention was to create it as part of a Tron cinematic universe approach. Universe approach, approach. The movie would kick things off with a series on Disney Plus to follow at some point. It never happened for whatever reason. Notice at the very end when Tron, Red, falls away down below. 
As he's falling, he suddenly turns blue, which is the established color of the users. So I'm guessing they were to bring him back as the hero in the upcoming series to fight once again for the users, as well as continuing the Dillinger link from the OG Tron movie played by David Warner. Yeah. With his son being the head of security dweeb in Legacy that was that we saw during the beginning. Again, I had a feeling the idea would be in the Disney Plus series. I think David Warner's avatar, Sark, was defeated in OG Tron, but you never know. Mm. Maybe they were going to bring him back, too. For all the 482 Marvel and Star Wars garbage that's been <laughs> shoveled onto Disney Plus over the past few years, it's a shame that this one never got the chance. Well, Eric. thank you, Eric. I would yes, agree with that thought. It's like if you're going to make a thousand Marvel movies, then, you know, in Star Wars and everything else, then why not make a Tron just to give everybody else something to watch? You know, I like the idea that the streaming era posited and then completely has thrown away in the years since, which is there's something for literally everybody. Yes. You know, the whole idea with like, well, there's going to be a Marvel show every week. So if you like comic books, come back every Friday. There's a Marvel show. If you like Star Wars, there's a Star Wars show. Come back every Sunday or whatever. And I was down with that. I was down with the idea that, hey, everybody gets what they want. Streaming is amazing, but they sort of have just decided that that doesn't make money. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is also a typical sort of cart before the horse type situation, <laughs> right? right? I, I think, Eric, you're, you are correct in like the, they were wanting to kickstart a universe much right. like Marvel. And often they plan these things a little too much and this came out and maybe didn't quite hit like that yeah although it's interesting we didn't really mention this in our last episode but they are in production or soon to be in production on a tron 3 oh well which, which will come out it's starring jared leto oh weird so uh perhaps the universe is resurrected <laughs> they they heard us talking and they're like somebody watch tron quick oh my god uh the black hole i feel the need to uh address that i i oh yeah he I, came at you with both barrels on that and, one. and you know fair enough i only saw the black hole once about the same time i saw tron maybe even the same year because it was part of that same like movie program where sure. i would see movies movies during the summer as a kid it, like eight or nine or whatever I was, I was old enough to know when I was trying to be force-fed a Star Wars ripoff, even then. <laughs> so I did not like the black hole. And I was annoyed at the time because, again, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't some kind of genius kid, but I could see, oh, the little robot they've got, that looks a lot like R2-D2. And I'm a sucker, so I'm going to love it like I love R2-D2, mm. aren't I? But something about, the, I mean, I'd have him watch the black hole and I probably shouldn't, you know, shoot off my mouth. But the fact that you're like, Ernest Borgnine's the worst thing in it. I'm like, Ernest Borgnine's the best thing in almost <laughs> everything. So uh, some things, you know, maybe hmm. I need to check that one again. So I didn't mean to offend you. This is, you know, why we need to, as grown people, maybe not say this movie's a shitty movie and anybody <laughs> who likes it is a fucking idiot. But uh, I don't know. Tron original a dozen times. Uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, I mean, Eric. You know, I'm sorry. I know. We, but everybody has their thing, right? So I'm, I'm trying to. What do the kids say? I'm trying not to yuck anybody's yum, right? Sure. Here, so, sure. You know, if you like the black hole, go with God. <laughs> I, I don't know that I'm going to watch it again, but you know, if Ernest Borgnine's in it, maybe I should give it a shot. Okay. See if, see if my daughter likes it. My daughter will probably love it to my annoyance. And I'll hate it worse, but then I'll have to watch it 36 times. There so. you go. I should check it out at some point. I mean, I've, it's, I've never seen it. So I mean, We've got Disney Plus, and I assume it's hidden there somewhere. 
Yes, deep down <laughs> in the deep sub menu. In hell. <laughs> but we are not here for the black hole. Uh, John, oh. we are here for Capricorn One. Yes. A film I know literally nothing about. I've never heard of this movie. I've certainly never seen it. And now I only know what you said in your intro, which is that O.J. Simpson is in it. Oh, yeah. And it's about faking a landing on Mars. Yes. Okay. What's Capricorn One? What's it? Well, Seeing as you haven't seen it. Okay. And now knowing what you know, I mean, unfortunately, you, I had to give up a big chunk sure. to do the intro. But uh, what do you think? Okay, so there's a faked Mars landing. What do you think the movie is about around that faked Mars landing? I suspect it's some kind of wag the dog. Like, <laughs> for reasons they decide that they want to fake the Mars landing? I, I mean, I think it's a comedy. Because that's sort of an absurd premise, right? Like, it's not a sci-fi movie. They would do it for real, right? Interesting. So the only reason you would show some fakery would be, to, I guess, as a lark or, or sort of make fun of it. So that's my guess. It's like a comedy movie where, for whatever reason, the president says so or, or something. <laughs> they decide to fake the Mars landing. O.J. Simpson is present as an astronaut. Who that's is, correct. Yeah, who's not, like, necessarily wanting to do this or is hesitant to lie, but is cast as our fake hero in the fake landing okay. and has to have some kind of tiff with, I don't know, military personnel or CIA agents or whatever. Okay. Um, and begrudgingly agrees to, to do this for some reason. Okay. And then how it ends, I have no, I have no idea. I, I, either they get away with it or they don't. So I guess, we'll, right. I guess we'll see. Well, uh, you got some things wrong and some other things not. The surprising things that you got correct was you've correctly identified O.J. Simpson's plot. Okay. He is an astronaut who is asked to go along with this, and he doesn't want to. But he does, at least initially. If it doesn't fit, you must have quit. Words to live by. Yep. <laughs> and thus um, he did. He's not the main character, though. Uh, that's, okay. That's okay. just one of the hilarious uh, things about it. Now, no, is is this his like towering inferno era? This is like seventies. Yeah. He's seventies. This is pre like Naked Gun. Yes, OJ. He, okay, he, they're trying and obviously pre murder suspect. OJ. Yes, they're trying to make OJ a movie star. The part you got wrong is it is not a comedy. Okay, it is a played for serious uh, sci-fi. Well, let's say grounded sci-fi. Let's let's say it takes place on Earth. Sci-fi? But they're faking it? Well, maybe sci-fi is the wrong way to describe it. How about like a spy thriller like The Parallax View? Something like that. I don't, what's The Parallax View? I don't oh know my what that goodness. Is. Three Days of the Condor. Like Three Days of the yeah, Condor. Yeah, I know. Okay. Yes, I know that one. Three Days of the Condor and Parallax View, folks. Both uh, very cynical 70s spy movies uh, okay. where America was falling out of love with the whole idea of the government. Got it. So this is the cynical 70s and the goal is like get people patriotic about space the space war again yes and we got to do this to beat russia or something pretty much okay. i don't okay so now i can now the truth can be laid bare what i remember about this movie i've only seen it once and it was in the 90s they are astronauts and they have been preparing the beginning of the movie is oj simpson uh sam waterston is in it sam waterston who would later become famous as the uh avenging da on law and order and i think josh brolin's dad Oh, okay. Daddy Brolin is in sure. this, I think, when he was also, they were trying to make him a movie star. They are the three main astronauts. I think there's a woman. I'm not 100% on that. 
but they are preparing. We can to, only hope. <laughs> I, yeah, and I believe the movie starts on like the day of the launch. It's like, okay, we've been okay. you know training all this time. We're gonna go to Mars. We're. I think the sci-fi element that I'm thinking of is it's like semi, not like future future, but it's like, well, it's a couple years in the future. Right, because they couldn't at that time already be on a Mars mission. Right. I mean, we had just gone to the yeah. moon a few years before. So the, it's the day of the launch and they put them in the rocket and, and so they get in the rocket and they're getting ready and then somebody opens the door of the rocket and says, okay, you guys got to get out. And everybody is secretly taken out of the shuttle and whisked away to a secret location where they are told... We can't go to Mars. We do not have the ability. We've been lying all this time. Wow. Sorry, but we just launched this rocket into space unmanned. So we're going to fake the Mars landing. And this is the thing. I, I first saw this movie in, like I say, the 90s, mid-90s. And I had only just heard about the Stanley Kubrick theory. And to clarify, the, the conspiracy theory is that Stanley Kubrick was hired by NASA and the government to fake the moon landing and then to to modern uh audiences i guess people this this conspiracy was touched upon most recently in the documentary room 237 yes which some people really down the rabbit hole th think <laughs> that the shining or have interpreted the shining as some kind of confession by kubrick to having faked the moon landing. right down to the fact that uh danny torrance the kid who's in the movie who has the shining and is being haunted by ghosts he's wearing a sweater at one point in the movie that has has a rocket that says USA on it. <laughs> and this is apparently Kubrick's confession that I faked the moon landing. I'm yes. sorry. I'm sorry. And now I can't, even though I can say all kinds of other crazy shit that people are like, oh, Stanley, you nonsensical old man. Apparently that's too much though. He's, he's afraid that the government will kill him. <laughs> right. Uh, and this is one of like many conspiracies yes. that room 237 touches on. If you haven't seen that, it's, it's a great movie to oh, check it's, out. It's some, again, my problem with conspiracy theories is I can buy one conspiracy theory, but most conspiracy theorists are not satisfied with one. They usually want to tie several together. And it's like, I don't believe in that sort of coordinated intelligence <laughs> to put it mildly. Yes. Uh, well, we I mean, I, I can get into a whole talk about why conspiracy <laughs> theory thinking is a is a flawed uh, psychology. And, you yeah. we can talk about, you know, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. But that's not what we're here for. No. And I had just heard this theory in the 90s. I mean, this the uh, documentary hadn't come out. And when I heard it, it was, you know, the Internet was on its way, you know, to being a normalized thing. But it wasn't normalized yet. So you couldn't just go online and just look up hours worth of like oh my god the, you know the world is flat right and you know we never went to read it yeah <laughs> so you would hear it from humans and you'd have to sit there at a party and listen to them explain to you why stanley kubrick did it and you know all this other nonsense but like i had only just heard that theory and i think i was talking about it with my room and i was like somebody tell me all about this stanley kubrick thing he's like yeah they made a whole movie about it. i'm like what he's like you've never seen capricorn one and he showed me capricorn one and it was that and I was, and it was basically, without the Stanley Kubrick angle, it was sure. basically the. I mean, the movie base, and, it, and you know, it's a movie, so it's just a cynical like, hey, did you hear <laughs> that there's nut jobs out there? Don't think we landed on the moon. Let's make a movie about right. it. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's an examination of the people who do not believe that we landed on the moon as if they are correct, and the lengths that the government will go to to keep it quiet because the, you know, the astronauts are on mars quote unquote and they're made heroes one of them wants to talk and then another one's like oh well i guess if one of us talks we all talks and then the government's like well now none of you will talk and they you know they become the hunted oh okay 
It, it, it really is like one of those spy thrillers where it's like, you know too much, and oh, now you like all must run. die. Oh, yes. that's kind of neat. And okay. now all the astronauts are dying of accidents. Because <laughs> so. that's not suspicious. No, <laughs> not at all. It's weird that they got back to Earth and all huh. died. Okay, so you saw this movie in the 90s because of a conversation with your roommate at the time. I believe so. Like, did you like it? Is this What, what were your thoughts of it then? I did like it. Well, here's what I... At the time... You know, it had that thing at the time, and we talked about this with movies like Soylent Green. Mm. When I watched Capricorn 1, I believe it was on a VHS tape, maybe a DVD, but I'm guessing VHS tape. It would look pan and scanned. It would look a certain way. And I believe I was like, again, I was thinking of any movie before my time as like, well, that movie's just inherently going to be kind of cheesy because all movies before my birth are stupid. And <laughs> Right. And I really was taken by how good the front half was. The back half, once it gets into the spy thrilling stuff, is less interesting to me. But that stuff in movies is less interesting to me when that's the whole point. Mm. You know, the movie had like posited this big conspiracy and then sort of boiled it down to like, well, once you tell the press that, you know, we didn't actually go to Mars, then you're safe and everybody will live and everything will be fine. Whereas now we live in a world where like, well, you can tell the press whatever you want and you're still a dead man. So, you know, it wasn't cynical enough at the time. And maybe right. that's what I was feeling. But yeah. So the front half, I was really impressed with. The second half, I was like, ah, this is just kind of a chase movie. And I'm guessing it was added to that if it looked like shit, which it did on VHS, I guarantee. Even if it was the <laughs> best VHS ever, it would look like shit. So... I may actually be seeing the movie for the first time in its correct, you know, okay. format, ratio, all that stuff. But I was also at the time impressed that O.J. Simpson, Senior Brolin, and Sam Watterson, you know, this was the first time I think I'd seen any of them in like serious roles because I also had only ever seen O.J. Simpson in Naked Gun. Right. And at the time that I seen this, I also knew him as the guy who murdered his wife. <laughs> so I was a little bit like, you know, hmm, I don't know. But the movie was actually good. And I suspect now I accidentally when I was pick, getting the DVD for ready for tonight, I accidentally caught the director because I didn't remember the director. I was like, oh, I, don't okay. know, I don't know who directed this. So now we're going for a three for on this show for director Peter Hyams. Really? Director of 2010, director of Time Cop, I want to say. Crazy. So, I mean, we've had good luck with him. I mean, okay. at the very least, he's one of those that like, oh, well, then the movie will certainly hit a, a certain level of competency <laughs> yes. and probably will make me think in a way. And again, I fully admit the front half of the movie, I was like, this is great. You know, the conspiracy theory, the lengths to which the government is going to cover it up, the you know, all, all the thought that goes into it, because it's, it's not a very action packed movie. It, a lot of it is just like the set up and then once you know the bodies start dropping it's sort of like you know a lot of 70s movies where it's like run that way now run that way <laughs> don't get hit over there so well, it's interesting that you say that's like the lame part of the movie because when you were describing the premise the faking the mars landing section while it, interesting to me it was just sort of like oh okay you know but, but <laughs> as soon as you said like the government's trying to kill them and they're on the run. I was like, oh, you know, that, that like right. perked my interest a bit. Well, there you go. So I don't know if it's just because it's stereotypical or what, but but 
I'm, I'm kind of down. I like chase movies. Yeah, like, well, it is know. definitely that. It definitely becomes a, you know, survival yeah. movie. Anything so. like On the Run, it's the Terminator or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, or it's it's the government, it's the fugitive, you yeah. know. Like, that's I, Fugitive's one of my favorite movies. I love right. that kind of thing. So hopefully it'll be a good one of those. And again, hearing this conspiracy theory and there already being something to slot right into that right. conspiracy theory was kind of unsettling at that time i mean and now i don't know if it would be like well yeah of course cynical hollywood will take any <laughs> stupid thing like that and Straight make it a movie from the headlines right kind of um okay well i i will admit uh my interest is peaked uh i'm like this is a movie completely unknown to me i did not know this exists much like you didn't when you first saw it right. so I'm, I'm sharing something with um, you now. i'm interested to check it out um but nelson i'm curious do you think it will hold up well i'm gonna give it that soylent green benefit of the doubt that like the stuff that i thought was cheesy and silly is is not as bad as all that i'm gonna say that the movie will hold up i don't know if it's gonna be spectacular but i like i say i've held on to it in my mind this long and it it did strike me i mean i remember that front part very well hmm and I remember some of the back half, and I'm not talking about it so as to allow Juan to know his enjoyment of this movie, but it, to me, the back half was like the less interesting, but still like, I mean, it matched. It's like, this is, a, sure. you know, the movie matches and now seeing that, oh, it's Peter Hyams, that that stands to reason. He's good. He meant, you know, even Time Cop, which is like stupid. <laughs> I mean, at least there was Good like, is a relative <laughs> uh, term that we're using right. here, but yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it had like that basic level of competency and perhaps a couple of levels of thought to it. Hopefully this has more. I, you know, who knows? Okay. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm going with. I'm going to say it holds up. Well, you know, I'm going to give some respect to the roommate's creepy VHS catalog <laughs> that gets dusted off uh, when conspiracy arises. I, I trust, uh, yeah, like Soylent Green, I think that's a good point. And same thing, right? Your roommate recommended that one, if I, if oh, I yeah, recall. I think so, yeah. Yeah, like, I have nothing to go on. I have nothing to expect. You seem to find it interesting, so I see no reason to doubt uh, you know, even something like O.J. Simpson, which obviously comes with some baggage, <laughs> um, to me, it's like I've seen him not not only in Naked Gun, but I mentioned he's in the Towering Inferno. I remember right. I saw that when I was a kid. Both of those viewings for me predated his, uh, you know, alleged murder attempts <laughs> yes. and killings and stuff. So that's that's a big thing that can <laughs> color a viewing. And, and so that would probably be my biggest hesitance. But, you know, I'm a big boy. Like, it's fine. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sure, if anything, we'll we'll have a uh, couple of jokes while we're watching. Sure. That'll be fun. Well, and again, he's third banana or fourth sure. banana, if memory serves. That's actually why I, 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 I kind of liked his story the best, if memory serves, because he had the most sort of interesting arc of them. Okay. Well, all right. We are going to go check out Capricorn 1, and we will be right back. We are T-minus 18 seconds from liftoff. Would you and your men please follow me? Jerry, what the hell is this? This is an emergency. Please follow me, now! We have ignition, six, five. We have outboard engines, three. We have inboard engines, one, zero. We have a launch commit. We have a liftoff at 35 minutes after the hour. Every split second of this historic flight, every intimate detail, every heartbeat, was monitored by Mission Control in Houston. 
This is Capricorn One. We have landed. As millions all over the world watched and listened, the President of the United States spoke to the astronauts across the vastness of space. To the men of Capricorn One, I bring you greetings from your fellow Americans. There's only one small catch. It never happened. It's all a lie, a fantastic $30 billion hoax. Something's wrong, and I don't know what it is. Dig deep enough, you might uncover the truth. Those signals couldn't have come from 300 miles. But the odds are, you'll never live to tell it. Freeze! I'm not moving an inch. They're on the plane together! There's a device, it's on the plane. There's some people, if I don't give them the all-clear signal, they'll explode it. Something's wrong, something big. They know I'm onto it and they try to kill me. Who's they? I can't tell you. We are dead. You tell me you're in trouble, you're out on bail, you just got fired, I tell you I'll be right over. My head hurts. You look awful. Thank you very much. You're quite welcome. These people, they're capable of anything. It's gotten out of control, it's too big. Capricorn One, this is Houston. Capricorn One, we show red on the heat shield. Pull that lever down by your feet when I tell you, sonny. Capricorn One, the mission that never got off the ground. Ladies and gentlemen, we have returned from Capricorn One. From Mars, really? We went to Mars for Yes, real. the fuselage burned bright, <laughs> and we have deceased upon landing. Or did we? Or did we? Welcome back, Mr. Nelson. Oh, it's good to be back. I'm glad to be alive after having died. <laughs> that was the movie you described. Yeah. To to an absolute T. It was. The faking of a Mars landing followed by uh, an escape <laughs> and a hunting down. What's interesting, when you described it to me, I had presumed, because I knew their families were involved in some kind of way, I thought they returned to their civilian lives Oh. And then, and then, perhaps at some point, felt the need to reveal this uh, lie, right? And then we're sort of like hunted down, you know, in in the world. What I had not anticipated, which was kind of an interesting wrinkle, was that they fake this landing. They through sort of force, you know, coerce the uh, <laughs> like murder coercion. <laughs> yeah, they, they we're going to kill your family if you don't do this, which I appreciate. I was like, well, I'm fair enough. I guess any of my like, why would they go along with this is kind of out the window because <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. And then um, it was interesting that, that their whole plan involved uh, when this thing touches back down, it'll be hundreds of miles away from the initial site and we'll recover you and la di da. And then it turns out that the actual ship upon return actually has a real issue and then explodes. Yeah, burns up in the atmosphere. And they've lied. So they find themselves in this weird situation where it's like, well, they're dead. <laughs> and uh, what do we do? And I, I thought that was kind of a neat wrinkle that I hadn't really considered. Like that that made it interesting. Like yeah. they, didn't, they didn't really intend to necessarily kill them. But like once it came to it, what else are you going to do? Well, I yeah, it actually, that. I mean, for the good guys, it's it's bad news because it's like, well, now we just got to close the loop. Yeah, that for just the, sucks. For the bad guys, it's like, eh. 
this is sort of you know <laughs> this this helps us well it doesn't it doesn't right like it i guess it's cleaner to kill them right yes. and then the lie is secured it, it's sort of ironic or or well actually maybe more just unfortunate <laughs> that the entire reason they're doing this subterfuge is to renew american faith and hope in the yeah. space program and they there's lots of it's a very 70s movie because there's lots of talk of like people are cynical nowadays <laughs> and no one believes in nothing anymore and the president won't even show up for this launch and we like got, mad max we need to give them back yes. their heroes <laughs> yes we need a story you know and then it's like they go through all this lie and and then it, it is not their intention to have them die horribly upon return that doesn't exactly boost yeah, morale that, for that, the country that, i mean yeah you're right for the bad guys that is sort of a you know an undermining of the whole thing because the whole i mean so okay the movie opens pretty much as i had remembered which is it's launch day they're all very proud to go to mars and then they suddenly yank them out of the you know the rocket and they uh come take, with me yeah come with me it's an emergency take them to a small room and and then hal holbrook comes in and gives this amazing fucking speech about, well, you know, when the f first man landed on the moon, everybody was watching. They put TVs in Grand Central Station and everybody missed their trains. Apollo 11, people were like, I, I'm missing my reruns of I Love Lucy. <laughs> right. People need something to believe in. And I needed, and he details this whole story about like, all we needed was just one mistake to throw us off. And it was the company that made the life support, which uh, that was what I thought you were about to say. The whole problem is caused because they got a company to make the life support systems for the astronauts. And they cheaped out on it. And they cheaped out. <laughs> and Hal Holbrook discovered it, but too late to stop anything. And the only option he had was to either pretend or to just stop everything. And then he's afraid once it's stopped, it never starts up again. You know, like in real life. Like after the Challenger blew yeah, up, yeah. yeah. I mean, this he, is pre-Challenger too, yeah. right? So, it's, oh yeah, it's interesting that you know this is actually there was a thing where yeah. the fuselage exploded and everyone died, and it was horrible. Yeah, yeah, and it pretty much came to pass exactly as the movie predicted that you know people had lost interest in the space race. Yeah. So yeah, the whole idea was like, well, they you know, made these inferior life support systems, and the whole thing was, well, if we launch you into space, you're going to be dead in three weeks. And so the idea that he saved their lives and then but then has to, you know, carry out this subterfuge and then for them to just be killed in the end, you right. know, to, to fulfill this, you know, fantasy is like it's kind of a irony. That's dramatic. irony, Yes, right? yeah. absolutely. <laughs> well, because even at the press conference, you know, the, the questions the news reporters are giving are like, is the space program going to shut down? Should we even do this anymore? Which is the absolute opposite of what he wanted. Right. So it's all for fucking not like, which is yeah. just such a bad hand for everyone involved. And then he's forced to, I guess, kill his lifelong <laughs> friends. One of, you know, what was it? 18 years or right. whatever, which he made a point of saying quite a bit like that's that's a raw deal. I kind of, uh, you know, it. I like the kind of nihilism of the movie or at least yeah. the, it seems like a very grieving movie where it's yeah. like. It's got this, like, don't you remember when we were all excited to be Americans kind of feeling. <laughs> right. And it's like, ain't it all shit now? Yeah. 
and I, you know, I can relate. Like, well, it's yeah. uh, still very applicable, that again, message. Again, it's not like this movie was wrong in anything it said. <laughs> right. I mean, again, the only thing that maybe is too optimistic. I mean, and even the way they ended it, I'm like, eh, okay, I can see that maybe say it. Because my whole thing you right. know, before we went into the movie is I don't see a world in which they go to, like, the New York Times and say, hey, we're alive and this is all a big thing that the New York Times is just like, eh, kill the story, kill them, give them up to the, you know, feds or whatever. But James Brolin rolling in on his own funeral with the president <laughs> giving a speech with all the cameras and everything else. It's like, OK, yes, that 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 would probably keep him safe for a time. <laughs> right. Because he's instantly on TV, although I and I said this where I watching, I would question <laughs> Whether, you know, it's Elliot Gould finds him and... and yeah, Elliot Gould's in this movie. Somehow drives past, like, all of Secret Service and the U.S. military <laughs> and the <laughs> immense amount of security that would be around yeah. the president and just kind of, like, drives up to the funeral. Yep. That was... Uh, preposterous yeah, no, no secret service uh, apparently at the funeral also it's very much a movie movie because it, it's implied overtly that they're trying not only to kill the pilots but elliot gould plays this sort of drunken reporter who <laughs> happens upon the conspiracy right and is investigating it and he is clearly found out at some point because he's attempted to be murdered no less than 25 times like <laughs> First, they try to cut his brakes, and then he doesn't die, and then they literally shoot gunshots at him, and then, you know, right. and it's it's sort of like, at a certain point, <laughs> they would kill him, right? Like, they, they would, wouldn't yeah, you they just, would just nonstop follow him? Like, why do they allow him to keep investigating or go to the office yeah. or, like, that? that's a little, like, movie logic for yes, me? Yes, for sure, for sure. He would be super dead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that I mean, we were still living. It's a funny thing because we talked a little bit about Three Days of the Condor and the Parallax View again, two cynical spy movies, spy thrillers, right. uh, and and very much of the time, the time that you're talking about the death of the American dream and and people's cynicism at an all time high, and uh, even those movies bow to that movie logic in, a, in to some degree because there's a couple of times that it's like, well. They would just kill him at this. And, you know, they wouldn't, like, try and hide it cleverly. They would just be right. like, well, he's caused us too much trouble. We, If we have to drop a bomb on New York at this point, then we're going to do it. You know what I mean? So I think it's partly the, you know, just the necessity of how a movie was made at that time, bowing to that. Because, again, this is less than nine years after the actual moon landing. This is still, you know, wow. early, you know. That's the crazy thing to me. It's, I, I mean... I was born in 73. We've talked about that. Moon landings in 69. Uh -huh. And again, you know, they've had the Kennedy assassination, you know, about 10 years before I was born. So there is this this growing dread. But like, then you go to the moon and like, you're not going to get any more like optimistic than we did it. You know, the, the, the dream fulfilled. We made it to the moon. And within five years, you have Watergate, which is what got this movie made, by the way. I guess he like wrote the movie. Peter Hyams, the director and the writer, I guess he wrote it like right after the moon landing because he was one of those guys that's like, you know, there's no proof except cameras up there that they did yeah. anything. And so he wrote this and nobody was interested. And then Watergate happened and suddenly everybody's like, oh, which is I'm sure where the reporter 
you know, of course, probably got played up a lot more. Yeah. Because uh, there was a point where, like, Elliot Gould is investigating and his brakes get cut and he does this amazing, like, trying to stop his car. And you're like, oh, well, if he just, like, slows <laughs> it down, like, throw it against a chain link fence or something. But no, he goes on a bridge and it flies through the air. And I was like, oh, man. That's crazy. I didn't remember Elliot Gould dying in this movie. And the car, like, crashes and sinks. And you're like, oh, man. Man, cynical 70s movies can't beat him. And then he swims away. <laughs> unharmed. Nary a bump or scratch. And it's like, yeah. well, okay. So, yeah, that was a little bit. of. But I wonder, again, if it was like, if Watergate is what got this movie made. If they were like, well, Elliot Gould has to make it to the end then. Because that's the, the driver. That's the all the sure. president's men sure. of this movie. Which I totally see now, having seen it. Yes, that that certainly makes sense. But like, I don't know. It, <laughs> once he once he's also James Bond getting shot at, like it's that's where I'm getting tripped up. I think because yes. if like if they have the resources to, so that the, the, his whole kind of inroads into this conspiracy is that he happens to be a drinking buddy with a guy from NASA, and that's a theme of this movie. There's a lot of. And it happens that X, Y, or Z, right? Uh, out of you know <laughs> plot convenience, which is fine. Like you know, what are you going to do? We only have so much time. But the idea is, this guy discovers something's off, and then he sort of tells him drunkenly, and then then just disappears. So like, like he, literally, as they're playing pool, like Elliot yeah. Gould takes a call, a phone call at the bar they're at, comes back, and his and he's gone, and his NASA buddy is gone. Yeah, and the you know, there's many scenes where this guy is bringing up like, hey, the, the radio signal's coming from local. Like this is weird, and you know he's dead. You know, with the <laughs> right? Exactly. You see You're like, oh, don't don't dig too much, friend. But but they have the resource to hire i assume I'd, a cia operative or, or an actress or somebody <laughs> to like take his apartment over right and then pretend to have lived there for a year so that they're i i guess and i understand because they don't really have an answer it's interesting that the movie presents a conspiracy but forward facing we as an audience kind of only know that the nasa guy is like in, in charge of this right. and they hint at like there's others at play right but it's not really made clear to us like who all in the chain of command here is in on this conspiracy That's is true. it the president is it the vice president is right. it the congressman were like presented earlier in the That's movie true they do like a big fucking like setup of a congressman, a random congressman, the vice president, and the two of them hate each other. The congressman and the vice yeah. president, like, have many scenes expressing their hatred for one another. And, you're, and, yeah, so it makes sense that one of them would be in on it. Right. And this is always the problem with these kind of government conspiracies is, like, right. the government can't even deliver mail. You know? so, <laughs> so the idea that, like, they're going to keep a lid on this insane thing is right. just, like, ludicrous. But, yeah, I, I would have appreciated a little more insight into, like, how deep the conspiracy went. But they seem to want to just keep it vague and be like, oh, people. You know? Right. Well, and I think I think I was correct before when I said, well, the movie, there's like two halves to the movie. There's the conspiracy half where you watch it unfold. And then there's the second half of the movie where, like. Okay, but, <laughs> with stunt and death defying, yeah, you know, planes and helicopters. And exactly, stuff. they're like, "What? Are you, we're here for a see a movie. Let's quit with all this bullshit." <laughs> sure, ain't no fucking Warren Beatty in this movie. Fucking show us some helicopters crashing or some shit. Which rattlesnakes and scorpions. Rattlesnakes and scorpions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, what happens is, uh, you know, after the 
uh, the, sh- the returning rocket blows up in space. They're like, well, we got to kill the astronauts and the astronauts figure it out before, you know, somebody comes to kill them, which they're not guarded very heavily for guys that are, you know, that shouldn't be able to escape. That actually, I did like how they did that because they were in a locked room and they locked the door and it seems like, okay, how are you going to get out? I like that they did this trick where he removed the door hinges right. with like a medallion he had or whatever. Right. And I was like, that's actually pretty clever. <laughs> right. And I liked that it, you know, gave that character some ingenuity of like, he's going to think outside the box and kind of sure. get out of here. I, I appreciate it. I just figured that they could hire more than one FBI agent to guard them. <laughs> yeah, they did just stroll out the door and there was one guy one in guy, front of a plane. Yeah, and one guy yeah. waiting with his back turned for them. Yeah, and, and then they just knee him in the groin and like run off. Yeah, yeah. so that was a little far-fetched. Um, sure. But I think they were just... So the guys, they steal a plane, but the plane is, you know, uh, accidentally banged up in the getaway, so the plane has to crash land in the desert. And so then they split up. The three astronauts split up. Uh, the three astronauts being, by the way, uh, James Brolin, Sam Waterston, and uh, O.J. Simpson, yep. who I remembered having a character arc. He doesn't really have a character arc so much as an interesting moment. I think really. He barely has more than two sentences. Yeah, well, apparently he's, he's like mute the entire time. The reason for that is because uh, he was sort of forced on the director mm. is what I was there reading about. And I guess the uh, the money said, you're putting O.J. Simpson in this movie. And he's like, ah, fine. <laughs> Here's his three lines conspiracies within conspiracies yeah right well that was the director uh had also worked with robert blake who had famously (laughs) murdered his wife so he's like yeah some directors have oscars some have you know lifetime achievement awards i'm the guy who hires people who kill their wives so that's something (laughs) that's saying a lot yeah uh so then they split up in the desert and they go their separate ways and the government is sort of hunting them over the course of like two or three days, which is like, well, okay, again, you're kind of stretching credulity here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, then O.J. Simpson, like, he gets like super uh, thirsty. He gets like, he, you know, he is uh, delusional. Delusional He's and having visions. birds yeah. in the sky. And that, so his moment is just, he keeps talking to his wife who's not there. And he's like, Elizabeth, water. <laughs> I need water. And then they get him. They kill the black guy first, because of course. Yes, right? I mean, it was the seventies, and, and that's what they did. And then uh, Sam Waterston, who is, I was saying this during the movie. You know, it's weird times when Sam Waterston is the goof, right? <laughs> he's he's the comic relief. Yes, they did cast him like that, which yeah, was interesting. He is, yeah, the guy who was so like, you know, later on is so straight laced and doesn't have a sense of humor, and he's totally like. He's telling a joke right before he dies, basically, before he's murdered by the government. What did you make of that, by the way? Like, I'm st- I'm still kind of torn on how I feel about it. <laughs> like, I understand he's the jokester, and they, they sort of send him off on this dramatic scene where he's climbing a cliffside, which apparently took him 57,000 days because he made it <laughs> all the way to the tippy top on this insane mountainside. And then that last, like, couple of feet... Is taking him quite a while. Right. So that was odd. But they, they also choose to have him going out telling a, a very, very long uh, <laughs> joke, I guess, in quotes. Like, that, that whole scene, 
I don't know. Like I, I was like, can we? Get, uh, that it was around <laughs> the time of the movie where I was like, let's get on with it. Like, come on, you know. Like, did you? I, did you like that part? With I liked country? that part. Well, okay. I like like Sam Waterston, so I, you know, he was fine. I had nothing against him. I, I was thought just he was sort doing it. He was doing it a service, basically. But um, well, and also, I mean, this is one of those situations where it's like, well, he's kind of then you know, James Brolin is the star of the movie, the bland star of the movie. A very, you know, yeah. generic, uh, you know, white-toothed, tanned hero. And and then you got Sam Watterson, who's, like, kind of interesting, but it's like, well, he's the goof. He's the sidekick, so he's probably dead. So they're drawing out, like, the suspense, I guess, is like, well, will he fall to his death, or will he just make it to the top and get <laughs> killed? And it turns out to be the latter, so he's got this really long joke that he tells that you see the end coming from a mile away, but that sort of is that moment too. It's like he's dead. <laughs> right. He's he's working so hard to a climb this mountain and b tell right. this joke just to get to the top and die. So I think part of that is a maybe a pacing and era thing mm. because we you know we now have seen so many movies and we're, we're obviously much faster paced now. Like the whole drawn out like okay, you go. Uh, west and, <laughs> and you go south and I'll go north and I'm like okay and then every fucking time they catch a guy it's like ring ring <laughs> uh, we killed OJ Simpson sir which way was he going <laughs> uh, OJ Simpson was going south okay now search the west <laughs> In the north, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, you know, and then it's like, fine. Then they kill the next guy, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, he's dead now, too, sir. Which direction <laughs> was he going? <laughs> uh, the west, sir. No, now just, and I'm like, <laughs> I was just like, get the fuck on with it. Like, I don't give a <laughs> shit. Like, just find them. Who cares? Like, I know they're dead. Like, who cares? Like, well, uh, but then it, uh, this is the funny part. This is the part of the movie I didn't really remember, or I sort of remember, but I was not impressed with the first time around, which makes me f more certain than ever that I saw it on VHS because the ending is, you know, uh, Elliot Gould rents like a, a crop dusting biplane <laughs> and he's trying to find this lost astronaut in in the desert while meanwhile these two hunter helicopters are coming after him and it is the craziest helicopter stunt it work is insane because the two helicopters Tully are savalas is like flying the plane right, right? well telly savalas <laughs> in a amazing role where every he calls everybody a pervert He's, yeah, he's he, only in the movie he, for like 10 minutes, but he's I mean, great. they got a bang for their buck with him. Oh, yeah. He just gave it his all. He was fucking hilarious. And then... But yeah, you're right. It is batshit where it's like a, a prop plane and two helicopters all in shots together, which I assume there's a third helicopter like also following right. us and filming all Chasing of this. Chasing the whole thing. And, and they're, they're doing the craziest shit. I know. They're doing like Mission Impossible yeah. like six or seven had a helicopter chase that I was watching at the time. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this in a movie. I was wrong. It's in Capricorn One where these helicopters are just diving over yes. the sides of cliffs. They're like and just, dive bombing 20 feet away from rocks and yeah, shit. And 90 like, oh degree angles and going straight down. Yeah, and I know insane. that I'm, I'm guessing there's some, you know, perspective or illusion being used, but it's still like. They're still in fucking helicopters. It's super dangerous. And there is ground. I mean, there yeah. is somewhere to smash into nearby. So it's not CGI. So, you know, points for that. It was a fucking... That's the thing. Watching it this time, I'm 
edgy. I'm like, oh my God, they're really like yeah. going whole hog on this helicopter chase. And the first time I saw the movie, I, I know that I was just like, eh, I can see this on TV. <laughs> Not impressed at all. And I'm just like, God, I mean, I it looks so different. You know, if you're realizing, well, this is real people doing yes. real stunts. Could well, also because it's been so long since anything's been made that way yeah. ever. Like you, you mentioned Mission Impossible. That's probably the exception of the rule. And right. even that, they're like very safe, and there's very clearly like matting out stuff, and there's still right. effects on it, even if yes. some of it's real. For sure, it's like been decades since <laughs> someone was like, "Well, I guess to shoot this, we'll get a real prop jet." And two real ass helicopters, and then they'll just fucking death defy fly around like like no one does that anymore ever. Well, right, because they don't have to. <laughs> yeah. So so even seeing that, like I definitely woke the hell up because I was sitting here like, okay, yeah, they're killing the guys, whatever. And then that sequence started. Yeah. It definitely, I would say, overstated its welcome. They were yes. like, well, we filmed the shit out of this, yeah, so we're like, gonna show we, you we, every we frame. We're using every single frame <laughs> yeah. that we shot. It, there it was would be like, like ten straight minutes of like yeah. B-roll flying. I mean, they obviously was. did it like three times, yeah. and they're like, "You're seeing all three <laughs> times, buddy. I don't give a fuck." But it was still like, whoa! Like it, it's just you know, it might maybe it was just regular at the time, but by today's standards, it's wild to watch. Yeah, it was crazy to watch. It was just uh, again, I was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just would take my breath away when they were, like, zooming towards a cliff face and, like, are they going to pull up? Yeah. And again, like you're saying, and there's a, another helicopter behind them. It's not like they, you know, they've all got to get out of this dive bomb. So that was crazy. But, uh, yeah, and the thing I was saying about the helicopters, there's two of them. And they, there's some stunt work being done there that's just crazy, even when they're not dive bombing. They're, they're flying so close to each they're other. They're flying incredibly close to one another. At one point, they're even just hovering above the ground like their blades like feet apart yes. from each other. It's like if one of them like goes up too quick, then they're both dead. And it's like, Jesus Christ, the focus that would take. And they have this the helicopters do this thing where as they're chasing or as they're on the ground or whatever, hovering, the helicopters will turn and look at each other like <laughs> right. attack dogs. And of course, it's completely stupid because they wouldn't do that. <laughs> and yet, I really got to enjoy every time they'd be like zooming down and then they'd slightly turn toward each other, right. turn back and then hit the gas and move forward. Yeah, they really made them like characters, basically. Like, right. It, it was kind of a, yes, you're, it's it's a silly decision, but it does kind of work because it, it gives them a personality that normally you wouldn't see you uh briefly mentioned james brolin i want <laughs> yes. to circle back for a bit because no you know no offense i josh brolin is a great actor he's yes. i've seen him in many movies he's in some of the no best notes. movies like of yeah. all time yeah, he's great james brolin here like the the woman playing his grieving wife <laughs> is like a thousand times better than him. Like, 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 throw her in there, make her an astronaut. She was actually great. Brenda Vaccaro. Yes. Who mainly has her scenes with Elliot Gould. Like, that. Right. that's probably most of them. She's, like, great. Yes. And then this guy, her husband, like, I, James Rowland just... It's a zero, man. Like it's it's like well, it, he's terrible. He's just terrible. like generic leading man number one. He's yeah. totally like just a seventies leading man, and that's it. He's like, and yeah, it's crazy how just like empty of charisma he is in this movie. Yes, I'm tr I'm str I'm sitting here trying to think of like a single scene or moment where he was all right. 
He's like George Hamilton. He's like 70s handsome. He's got nice hair. And he's got a you know square jaw. And he's kind of tan. And it's just like, but there's no, there's nothing else. Hey, it's like, I, how dare you offend <laughs> George Hamilton? We've had George Hamilton on this show starring in Once Upon a Crime. And he was magnificent. Yeah, how well. dare you sully the name of George Hamilton? He has a personality. Like, uh, yes, one dimensional. Absolutely. Well, his personality. But at least is... that dimension is like a worth being in. Like, But he couldn't be in this movie. They they could, but they might interchange somebody like him just to be like, hey. He could do it. Any, uh, literally anyone else. <laughs> like, like, I'm not getting it. They should have just waited and made it with Josh. That's what they should have yeah, yeah. would. Yeah. He would have been great. Well, that's the thing about I mean, Josh, James Brolin is trying very hard to be a leading man. Josh Brolin has, you know, whether it's because he's in his dad's shadow or what, has decided, I don't need to be a leading man. I'm going to be a scumbag. Right. And like, so he's he's mostly villains or at least, you know. Well, he's got a big rank. He's he plays all kinds. Like, yeah. And does it great. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, we, we have to, you know, have an evolutionary jump to, you know, so James is the start. He touches the monolith. He has a kid, and here we are. So it's that freeze frame at the end. That really, you know, oh my God. really the freeze, sold him as a character. The freeze frame at the end was like we, we were trying. We were debating. We were like, so okay. There's the funeral. They're holding the funeral. The president is saying his words, and then you know, uh, Elliot Gould and James Brolin pull up in a car that the Secret Service is not filling full of bullet holes, and then they get out and they run Bionic Man style. In slow motion, but not like slow motion like they planned it. Slow motion like they very obviously had to go to the post house after and say, could you like yeah. slow it, like really slow it's it like, down? Can we get this at 2% or like one frame at a time? Like, and could it, it was weird. And they were like, and the post house was like, yes, we could, but that will look like shit. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> we're kind of going to go that direction. And it's like, I don't quite understand what the choice, because, you know, they're running in slow-mo as everybody's, like, gaping. And when you cut back to the funeral, it cuts back to, you know, regular 100%, yes. you know, speed. So then seeing them in, like, super slow-mo, yeah. big smiles on their face. Like, bad. Elliot Gould is like, I mean, <laughs> James Brolin is trying to smile because he's seeing his wife and kids, so at least there's that, but... Elliot Gould, I don't know why he's smiling, except that he's like, this is fucking stupid. Well, he just did a stupid. bump of coke, so he was like, <laughs> he was just in a good mood. Yeah, fluid motion filter had not been invented yet. That would have uh, maybe helped a little bit. And then they did a freeze frame right on James Brolin's corpse-like face, <laughs> which I think is deliberate. I mean, he's been in the desert for three days. He's been, you know, trapped for eight months in a... In a which is weird, too, because when they, like, apparently they don't hide him in, like, a hotel. They just keep them... Yeah, on the sound stage that they built yeah. Mars on. They really like coughed through that. It was suddenly like 255 days later, and yeah. they were still in the same space. And they're just and sitting there like... in their in their spaces. It's like, now I'm uh... guessing the whole notion is like, well, just in case we need to quickly record something, they're there. Sure, to I guess. record our fake Mars. There was a good. Sh- I, I will say this: there is a memorable shot in the movie that looks even better. You know, seeing it on a 4K screen in Blu-ray. It's where they are recording the fake Mars landing. And the president is giving a recorded speech about, oh, this is, you know, it's basically the one small step for man, yeah, you know, sure. yeah. and, and how great we are and how if we put our minds to it, we can achieve anything and how you should always be honest and never lie to your kids. <laughs> and they have this and they start the camera focused in on the helmet of one of the astronauts and they pull out and they and it's a great like pullback shot because at first you're just seeing the Mars 
atmosphere. And the way they turn the camera, it's like, okay, I think they're trying to show, like, okay, you're not going to solve this by, like, turning back the camera. You know, nobody's going to catch the the mistake on film because they have enough area covered. So they turn the camera, and then they pull back, and they keep pulling back, and then finally you see the edges of the set and... I don't know. Yeah. It was just I, it was a really yeah. well done shot, and it's you know again very cynical because they're talking right. about man, America's achievements as we're lying Look our at asses these off. Fucking liars! <laughs> Do you think Elliot Gould like improved half the movie? I'm just he, he kind of I, I I didn't mind it, right. but like it feels like he's in a kind of a different movie. He's one of like those he's guys. He's off on his yeah. own thing. He's doing like I, I don't know the long goodbye or something. Yeah, no, that's that what I, I honestly was going to say. It's like the long goodbye where yeah. he's the only one in that movie, yeah. right? And everybody else is in something. You know, they're in the spy thriller. He's still in the long goodbye. That actually makes sense that you were saying the script existed and, and then Watergate happened. It's almost like there was a script, <laughs> and then it, it makes sense. And then the Elliot Gould reporter part was like an addition. Right. Or at least beefed up more. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's, I don't know, you know, there's always like stories and they, I didn't find any, but there's always stories that they tell like, well, the reporter wasn't that big a deal, but then Elliot Gould said he'd do it for free. And right. Because you know, this is kind of an indie movie. I mean, we looked up and they didn't have a ton of movie. They had like four or five million dollars to do it, which is, you know, bigger in seventies, but still not huge. But so, you know, if they got him for a good price, then I'm sure he's like, well, I'm. I'll do your movie, but I'm just not going to be bound by right. your fucking your laws and your well, scripts and your words. Be, because before we started this, I wagered and guessed this was a comedy. You said I was incorrect. <laughs> but That's like true. you watch that Elliot Gould movie, he's like sassin with his female reporter friend. Yes. Uh, joking around with the boss. They, they, like those scenes with him and his his like editor are yes. just straight up a comedy like that's they're true. being very goofy they are being funny so that's why i'm wondering i was like was it written that way or was that just the vibe like that elliot gould brought to it and they were all joking around Maybe. i couldn't really tell yeah they well if i were to guess i would say they probably thought they needed comedy relief and just shot oh so, yeah they're like well we got elliot gould here just go for well, it yeah we've got elliot it's like uh what's his name uh albert brooks and taxi driver it's like Right. He's mostly playing it for serious, but every once in a while, it's like, hey, oh, could you do something funny? Right. And it's just a little bit. A little but, relief, yeah. But even even Taxi Driver, he's more of that. <laughs> he's in that background more than Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould kind of sticks out in yeah. this movie. I mean, not in a bad way. I, I, I Honestly, I appreciated the gear shifts and yeah. going back and forth. Well, and I didn't remember he was in it at all. So, yeah, I mean, that was a nice surprise. I feel like without Elliot Gould, it would have been an okay movie. But like the conspiracy part was really strengthened by that part of the story. Right. And I actually found I think those were the scenes I engaged with more because Elliot Gould's just he's good. Yeah. And like I found that interesting. Yeah. And he's, he's not named James Brolin. You know, that, that <laughs> helps. <so. laughs> well, and. Yeah, I remember the astronauts being more the lead characters, but Elliot Gould really is the main character. Yeah, it feels that way. Which is weird, because again, I didn't even remember Elliot Gould was in this movie. I didn't <laughs> remember there was a reporter covering this whole thing. I just remembered the plight of the astronauts, and I figured sure. that was there. But yeah, it's funny, because that, like you say, that that is kind of the secret sauce that makes it more than just a spy thriller. Yeah. But that makes sense, because it's like, at that time in the 70s, it was like investigative journalists were like, the heroes of yes. everything. I mean, once upon a time, once upon a time, 
the Tucker Carlson's of the world were real heroes. Well, because they even name drop Woodward and Bernstein, like yes. in the movie, oh, literally, very much. Yeah, to, yeah. And they were trying to compare <laughs> Elliot Gould. Yeah. To, they're like, when you, uh, I said you, you were like Woodward and Bernstein. I meant that you know, they were very much trying to give him that. But they also were like, uh, toward the end, like you say, his his boss was kind of like undermining with like. They kind of set up this whole notion that, like, Elliot Gould is not a Woodward and, Ber- Woodward right. and Bernstein. He's like a dipshit. He's like a dipshit. Like, he has all these conspiracy theories that never pan out. And I was like, well, that would be interesting to see. But I felt like we needed to see those rather than him at the end of the movie basically saying, you know, with all those conspiracies, those right. nutso things. That's why it felt improv to me. Because yeah. there was, like, no previous right. thing to, like, that just felt out of nowhere yeah. for a joke, basically. Speaking of out of nowhere, Karen Black is in this movie. Yeah. Playing the smartest character she's ever played. (laughs) Most of the time she plays idiots and goofballs. And she plays straight, like, serious reporter. And she's in it for two minutes. Yeah, (laughs) barely there. And I'm like, I guess she did somebody a favor. But that was just... That was the thing. I kept wondering if, like, this was just... Either, A, everybody's like, man, this is such a good idea. I want to be in on it. Or if they're like, eh, I like Peter. I'll do a favor for him. Because, I mean, there were a lot of big names in this movie. Yeah. So... Probably know. a bit of the latter, but you know, who knows? <laughs> we, we'll, we'll never know. That's a mystery in and of itself. That'll be our next conspiracy theory. Well, uh, John, do you think that Capricorn One held up? Yes, uh, kind of surprisingly. I was like, you know, when the movie started, I was like, okay, I remember this, but it's kind of a good TV movie. For like the first 15 minutes sure. or so, yeah. I was like, I'm enjoying this, but this is like a good TV movie. And then as things kind of piled up in the movie, it became a little bit more movie, especially, you know, all the Mad Max shit at the end. So, <laughs> I, you know, it has its flaws. It's definitely like it is not without flaws. And it's uh, but it's interesting that like, again, the thing that I remembered it for, the conspiracy aspect, this the cynicism and again this this notion that like yeah i don't even know how to describe it the feeling that america was going through now it hasn't it hasn't improved right. <laughs> like it seemed like it improved it seemed like cuz i can take myself and put myself into the person i was in the 90s and this would seem like oh things were bad in the 70s i get it but things are better now and now i look at it and it's like no this is about right <laughs> uh, this is this is where we are again yeah. civil unrest and cynicism and it, uh, everything's a fucking everything's a scam lies. a lie yeah. a grift yeah so in that sense the movie holds up very well because it's like yeah it's about mo- and again comes down to money the only reason this whole fucking thing right. happens is a company wants money right so yeah but I, I i enjoyed it i had a good time i actually liked it better than I feared I was going to like it. Because I was like, well, I'll probably enjoy it, but I'm going to have to answer sure. answer for some shit in this I, movie. I agree. I, I actually think it held up as well. I think in the true um, honor of this director on our show, <laughs> he's sort of the king of, like, this is better than it should be. Yes. Not that it's amazing. Or right. It's not like Martin Scorsese has arrived with the greatest movie. It's, <laughs> it's more like this movie should be kind of bad. But, like, it's actually pretty watchable and, and well-written and and well-directed and acted uh, for the most part, you yeah. know? Well, I mean, it's like a Larry Cohen movie, right? Like, yeah. Larry Cohen would write all these, like, goofy, gimmicky movies, 
and sometimes they'd be good and sometimes they'd be shitty and so and he had like a tone that he could hit that it's like well this is exploitation and somebody's just trying to make a buck here but i get the feeling with this one you know especially reading the trivia about how he wrote it you know himself and you know tried to get the movie made it is that kind of 70s exploitation but it does feel like it has like somebody behind the wheel that's like no i care about right. the message here and so right. yes i'm gonna give you the popcorn you're gonna get it don't worry but i have something i want to say here so yeah i agree well say hey thank you for exposing me to this movie i've i'd literally never heard of it this is now you know a, a surprise to me yeah and, and uh it was a treat to watch so i really appreciate and it and all of you now can sit back and watch it and and you can give us your thoughts Tell yes absolutely if you too watch capricorn one Please let us know what you think. You can email us at holduppodcast at gmail.com. And Nelson and I will be back next month for another fine film. Uh, so tune in for that. You can also reach us at holduppodcast.com. There you can find links to everything. Everything. And until next time. Nobody move. Nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets hurt.